0: Okay, so a couple of points about practicing in this retreat, and then I'd like to open up the theme of desire and eros a little bit. So one thing we didn't say, which is really important to say, is that you don't have to be trying to do soul-making and imaginal practice all the time on this retreat really really important it's one mode it's one track it's one um, beautiful direction to follow when the conditions are there when when that's what's helpful what's needed what wants to be developed so please don't forget that maybe for the majority of time perhaps on a day you might be giving real attention to um, the resting, the nourishment of the energy body, of the Samatha. Like really, really going further and deeper and wider with that and the the loveliness of that. Other times it will be, um, you're in a bind. You're in a bind and any wish to try and do soul making and try and find some mirrors and where's the image just feels terrible. Has anyone come across that? This is kind of... (laughs) And we're, we're kind of in this kind of net like caught in a fishing net somehow and we and please remember don't um, when we're doing the soul making Dharma even if that is the long arc of our aim and for some of you it will be even if is that that is the long arc we always always can deepen in our foundations and our foundations may need to get deeper as we open to more range of eros and image and content so meaning in this case come to the practices that you know that know how to care for the heart when it is flattened when you're in a spin where all your good intention is caught like a million fish in a in a in a net learn how remember how to care for that and learn how to care for it now because you're caring for it within a context that's pushing on the soul in certain ways. There's a lot on the table here. So really caring for that bind, that spin in all the ways you know how, and more with the Brahma Viharas, with that, my darling love, this is really hard right now, this is Dukkha. Yeah, but I'm supposed to be doing soul-making and everything. And, uh, uh. Oh, gosh, my arm gets caught, my heart gets caught, my soma gets caught, my mind gets caught, my emotions get caught. Yes, you can love soul-making, my darling. And right now, come to this foundation. Come to the embrace of the meta. come to the practice of establishing mindfulness that you know what's happening right now. Oh yeah, this is, this is kind of flat. My heart's kind of got flat here. What's going on? Let me investigate, let me find out. So please remember that today. Um, and third piece is with the guided meditation yesterday morning, um, of course, there's, there's more. And if that's helpful for you, those steps and those limbering exercises, just one other limbering, which can be a lifetime of limbering, which is a, is a way I work, and I would in invite you to see which way you apply this. Many of you may know how you do this. But how to practice with these elements of the imaginal? the 28 elements, which are now Nick kindly wrote up for us and are taking a place right behind the Buddha up there, if you need reminding of them. So when there's an image or something that I sense can become more soul-making, and there are enough conditions, there is enough steadiness and kindness around, even if they're not necessarily to the foreground, that I might imagine the 28 elements, even if they're not switched on, and ask some questions to help find the poise for more soul-making. For example, I might be with a vague sense of an image coming, and I might ask, is this fathomable or unfathomable? Are you fathomable or unfathomable? And I'm not just trying to take, I know what the right answer is, because it says it up there, right? More, I'm using the question to attune the instrument, to find the poise, by really looking and seeing, oh no, I cannot wrap my mind around you. And being explicit about that um, allows the instrument, the poise of the instrument, to start to see in that way to light that up more. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you might have a question for any one of the nodes. Sometimes if I sense there's a slipping into reification or craving or flattening, just coming into the body sensing right from the the vantage point of what sees is this real or unreal this image or is it neither and does that question not have a root here so be creative with the elements you might have them as shrines around you in your imagination that you can visit and kneel at and remember oh yeah I want to kneel and bow there at the shrine of humility. It's the one I might forget. You might They might be characters. Each one of them may be a whole path of ensoulment to themselves. So we can be deliberate in this practice. And that brings me to the last of these points. Uh, giving some attention at times to notice if you have a a preferred place in the spec in the spectrum between being very active in your practice like always trying out different things and different ways of looking and how about if i do this or that right to and they don't have to be in contrast but i'm going to put them that way at the moment to being very receptive where we're waiting <coughs> for the divine hand to, to touch us which is Both are beautiful, both are really beautiful. And if check and see if you consider them as opposite ends of a spectrum, or if, and if you can see what I'm doing with my hands right now, that actually that activeness and receptiveness can be a fine pivot. Sometimes I might lean more into being receptive or being more active, it might seem. But there's something about that pivot that will allow more soulmaking. A really, really beautiful kind of ch- attunement. Okay. <coughs> so I'd like to s- shift the gear and talk a little bit about Eros and desire. <coughs> I feel like I have to clear my throat to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you know Eros and let this not be abstract as I speak about it let's invoke this Cosmogonos this maker of the worlds um, let's invoke this spirit of eros while we will get more refined and defined and specific about exactly how we mean and use the word in soul-making dharma. so this has a central place as we know in this path in this paradigm and in this paradigm not only do we restore desire as having the possibility of being sacred and onward leading. Even more than that, desire as it is fashioned and allowed to become eros is one main catalyst in setting in motion a dynamic of perception that will make more soul. It's a catalyst to set in motion one part of setting in motion a dynamic that makes more soul. So we do well to be interested in desire and in eros and in craving to really discern the differences and really look for ourself um, how we can go further with this. So we've called this retreat Roots into the Ground of Soul and The last retreat was called Foundations of a Soul-Making Dharma. And, of course, these words can be used in different ways, but right now I'm going to talk about desire as foundational, working and skill with desire as foundational, and then how desire can become a root, right, as a further development. But there are foundations we need to get a building off the ground that we need to to develop, to to grow, to... um, you don't plant foundations, you make foundations, you, cult- you You build foundations. So we do well at times to go back to remember, pay homage to all of the practice we have done, all of our Dharma training in learning how to let go of craving and clinging and un- and unbind the bind and recognize more and more subtle versions of the bind of craving and more and more gross versions of the bind of craving. This work is um, priceless, liberating. Um, as a foundation, we want to do the work of discriminating craving from desire, right? We'll, we'll say more about that. I'm just gonna touch on these very lightly to get to Eros. We need to learn how to validate desire and not just put every desire that arises in the soul, which some of you will know, and I've known this at times from my practice, where any kind of desire that arises kind of gets a bad press in my mind, in my soul. doesn't fit with the, the, what I've learned. It always leads to trouble Better not have any at all. So discriminating, craving from a desire, because we need desire to do anything, anything, not just soul-making. We need desire to get up in the morning, to give ourselves to anything we care about and love, some kind of propelling, intentional desire. A foundation, another foundation, is to loosen um, any of loosen any of that muting or compression of desire that may be somatic, it may be in our energy body. Does anybody know this? Some kind of desire arises and there's a kind of, oh, a clamping, maybe in the belly, maybe in the solar plexus, maybe in the heart, maybe in the mind. Does anybody not know that? If you don't know it, then it probably means we need a bit more energy body practice because it lightly comes, we ooh, close somatically around the desire, close um, emotionally around the desire, right? It starts to come to the heart area, and it's like, oh no, if I'm going to want something, I'm just going to be disappointed, or I'm never going to get it, or there's too many other people that want it, or desire is causing our world to, our ecosystems to become undermined, so I'm not even going to go there, I'm going to be someone without desire we do well if we want soul making we need to get more discerning about desire and see where somatically energetically heartfully intellectually we might close it down because seeing that will be part of loosening that right loosening those pieces and foundationally, we do well to uncouple, and this is, a, this is a meditative, contemplative skill, to uncouple desire from the object of desire. Either, without training, we, there's the thing we want, the person we want, and my attention goes all into the object, right? And I'm full of desire, and I'm really juicy and passionate, but I've kind of lost myself, and I'm all over here. Or there's desire for my, the desire arises, there's the desire for the object, there's the other, and I close the, the whole thing down. That's kind of the untrained mind. To uncouple, this is a foundation, to uncouple, it's not the soul-making imaginal part, but to be able to uncouple energetically, emotionally, ideationally, to uncouple... The self-sense and the desire arising from the object of desire and actually tolerate that energetic, that emotion, that the whole force of that in your whole body. Can you let it work on you? the, The object may still be there lightly in the attention, but practicing where the balance of attention comes more to your location and you're working with tolerating that force through the hips, through the belly, through the heart, through all the pathways in those places where the balloon has (laughs) stuck back down. And let that work, including in the head center, not forgetting the heart. Desire can have such a force. Some of us might have a, a lot of desire, and it can go very, beautifully and well to the head center and open a lot of illumination. Don't bypass the heart. We want the heart. Eros is loving desire. When we get to Eros, there's loving desire. Right. So some of us can have desire, even have our sexual desire, and we can be loving, and to have them both, for many of us, is a real maturation, deepening. All right, so that's some of the foundational piece. Let's call on Eros. Um, So a a definition that we're using. Eros is the force of attraction, of loving desire for the one or the other or whatever is the object of that desire, of that attraction. The desire to have more contact, more knowledge of, more touch, more getting into the folds and the particulars of them, to dive deeper in and penetrate further into them, to open to and be penetrated by them. For more intimacy, more knowledge, more exploration and adventure of those unfathomable beyonds that call you. Think about when you fall in love. It's a force beyond yourself. I'm not surprised, but often hear from students wow, I, this one doesn't fit the bill for me. But somehow, that magnetic attraction that desire, that may not be convenient, may be not reciprocated, may not be, look like it's gonna be helpful, but nonetheless, this beyond myself force switches on. Can I know this? So I'm still with a definition, there's more for it to be a soul-making definition. It includes includes sexual attraction and sexual desire, absolutely, importantly, but is not limited to that by any means whatsoever. It can go from the fiery end of the wild and fiery to the most subtle, fine touch of eros and one is not better than the other. And in any one moment and with any one image, it can move between and pivot and go between those two. For it to be a definition for our purposes, this Eros is uh, the force of attraction that's part of this catalyzing of this Eros-Psychologos dynamic. It catalyzes the... um, soul-making dynamics such that the other is not just the uh, sort of flat otherness, they start to become psyche for your eros, meaning their unfathomability, their dimensionality, when eros is not leaning in to try and get that thing, nor is he or she or they pulling back, ashamed or in fear of what might happen, but sitting in that full seat Of the eros what happens to that force when i don't literalize it onto the object of the other then something starts to open something starts to expand in the whole of the psyche not just the object psyche but the whole of the field something starts to open expand and illuminate And if the Logos, if the conceptual framework, if the crucible, if the ideas are robust and flexible and intelligent in certain ways, then what can open up can be soulful, can open up more dimensions of sacredness, restore sacredness, expand senses of sacredness, can open up more meaningfulness, more richness, more resonance, more beauty. And as that stretch happens, our ideas, our ideas of the things that really matter to us, they are also woven into that Eros psyche, Logos dynamic. Our ideas about what the other is start to break, start to open, start to stretch, start to to move, start to morph. Our ideas about self, our ideas about Eros, our ideas about sex, our ideas about sexuality, our ideas about body, about death, about matter, about earth, about things, about what is holy and what is not holy, our ideas also not just as abstract things but as things that are thoroughly woven in with this deep desiring and this loving of the other who calls our attention. So we do well to study desire we do well so what ideas might limit eros because desire becoming eros being part of the soul making dynamic well one big one will be that attraction to appearances and don't forget that in soul making the particulars of the image stay we're not dissolving the image the particular thing about that let me give an example um, well it wasn't a sexual attraction but there was but there was a kind of a magnetic pull for me to this uh, man who was one of my teachers in a whole, in another tradition and I kept noticing it was very inconvenient because you know because I didn't want that <laughs> So I was, but I was on like four retreats a year or something with him. And um, so I would notice he'd be sitting sometimes at the back and I'd have to walk out the room. Uh, Of course, it wasn't just me, but it felt like it was just me that was walking out of the room because there was such a self-consciousness about. And I could find my whole, like my body and my eyes and my soul would want to sort of look towards him. But I was trying to look towards the door and it was like some attraction to kind of pull in that direction. And I tried to sort of rationalize it. Oh, I just want to be seen. Yeah, I did want to be seen. That's true. That was part of it. But not limiting. If we start to limit or say, oh, I know what it is. I just want to be seen. Okay. Either you shouldn't want to be seen or you should want to be seen. Go and get seen. You know, it's just like, but there was this other thing happening in the whole. It's like, oh, so all the ways I try to let go, turn that way. Don't look. This is embarrassing. All the self-consciousness, all of that but actually starting to sit. And now I'm so excited, I can't remember where I was going with this point. Uh, What was I talking (laughs) about? That's what happens with Eros. (laughs) Keeping on track. All I can do, I can just see him right now. (laughs) Anyone help me out, where was I going with that? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so the example, there's a number of ideas there. One is I, I know what it's about. It's only because I want to be seen. And then I can shame myself for wanting to be seen or not shame, my, you know, trying to get the thing I want. The other ideas is that I would have been well practiced with, with was attraction to particulars doesn't lead anywhere good desire You can have desire for the universals, you can have desire for the unfabricated, but desire for particulars, isn't that all what I just trained out of? Not being so fixated with signs and particulars is one of the translations in the, in the suttas. Not, not being so fascinated with signs and particulars. But in the soul-making dharma, the signs and particulars remain. They're not dissolved. So the idea that can limit that is, oh dear, attraction, like I just want to kind of look at him. There's something about him, something, I didn't know even what it was about him. What kinds of things about him. And yes, he was the big guy with the power and there's all of that and all of that's there, but there was, I was attracted. And I was trying to um, blur out his particulars to try and make it tolerable. So one Logos desire and attraction for particulars is only gonna ever be craving it can't be anything else and often it is (laughs) often it is but here we get to practice here we have the energy body here is day four of the retreat where we can risk if we wish practicing that of tolerating that charge of that that drive that would if I could make a beeline for him, you know, tolerating that, letting that come into 2 letting that force work on me in, without blurring his particulars such that that can start to act on the soul and open the whole dynamic if the Logos, if my ideas aren't stopping it doing so. And yes, in any moment while I'm practicing with that, and if you do today, and hopefully you'll play with that and you have and you know that, and we can go further with that, hopefully you can see and modulate, oh wow, now it's become craving, I've lost my energy body, and I'm all over there in you know the kind of classic falling in love is a good metaphor, it's not the only metaphor, but it's a useful one, the kind of I have a sort of image of a. I don't want to say, but you can probably think who if that has been you or is you, or you see that shape when someone falls in love. It's like a, almost like a cartoon feel to it, where you're kind of like. I mean, that might be one version. There could also be that version. You know, there could be lots of versions, but but know them. Know what your energy body does with that. You know, care for that, not shaming any of them. You know, but in a moment, there I am, meditative, contemplatively skilled, working with the image of Bob, he was called. Working with the image of Bob. Ah, yeah. It's like... <laughs> you know, and there I am working with the image, and suddenly I'm up in my head, and suddenly... And it's... I wonder how, you know, whatever it is. Or it might be more thrusty. It might not be as innocent-looking as that, right? It might be more like... Well, I'm not going to show you about that, was, but right, it, might, it might be, you know, so sort of sense what happens, really, really know those shapes so we can stay alive with them, not shaming them, but staying intelligent. So where it can stay in 2 and where it starts to all go about the other or where it's like, whoa, 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 sorry, we're not going here. And that might be an okay call. That might be a really okay call. But feel your heart, and maybe it can be. And I'm not going here for now, my love. Not because there's something wrong here, but just right now, I don't feel quite like I got the ground. I'm gonna do a bit more walking meditation. I'm gonna put my hand to the ground, right? So we're not throwing ourselves or making some, um, you know, daring thing that we have to do, that we lose the sensitivity of the heart and the tenderness and the attunement and the nuance and the delicacy because otherwise that can be fine, you know, like a forceful eros, great, with the the full-bodied part. See if we can bring our loving, exquisitely fine heart along at times we may not and at times that may not be what's leading that's okay it doesn't have to all look nice not at all but not making a sort of daring goal for ourselves of like now I've got to kind of think about Bob you know really really taking care taking care um, other log other ideas that might limit <coughs> um, is uh, the Western inheritance of, whether we think intellectually we've inherited it or not, of the antibodies, not not the kind of antibodies of your immune system, but antibody, a confused relationship with body, a, a history that you can trace where what was holy and valuable got further and further up towards the sky god, Towards the intellect, towards the rational, towards the up. And what was lower, what was lower, the world of the body, the world of the senses, the world of the sexuality, the world of the earth and the dark matter was less holy and not holy and unholy. And the split, even if we don't adhere intellectually, but love for God and love for the world were an uneasy and um, in conflict or seen as uh, different loves, conflicting loves. That's that's an idea. Another uh, logos can be a implicit, you may not even hear the ideas of it in your mind, of a loyalty, some kind of loyalty to the status quo of things. A loyalty to the status quo of who I am, of who the other is, uh, of who the what the world is, of what practice is, of what dharma is. Sometimes there can be an ambivalence about the eros. It's like, whoa, 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 this is going to shake things up too much. We can sense its force and its generative power, and in The history where Eros has come strong in any group, religious or intellectual, or where the Eros starts to have their own spirit, so to speak, it typically will push on the ideas and the Logos and the status quo of those institutions, whether intellectual institutions, spiritual, religious um, ideas. So, you know, we see that probably all of us want something about the status quo see the necessity uh somehow don't necessarily want to be unconsciously loyal to the status status quo of things neither do we want to be uh again just sort of pushing for the sake of it pushing at the edges of things just because that's cool that could be another identity but to play and see if there is a Logos of some kind of loyalty or inertia actually it may not even feel like loyalty it may just be inertia the inertia of the personality that we don't really want to be disturbed too too much um, again not pushing with that and another Logos Or ideas about the scope of where eros can go and is allowed to go like is our imagination flexible enough to have to be able to have eros for things that we didn't even know we had eros for remember there was a question yesterday about the eros I think that was partly what was in there for the it was surprising huh the Freudian monkey business, no. Yeah, it was like, oh, wouldn't normally think there would be Eros for that. It doesn't fit. Right. Um, so is letting our imagination play today where actually something comes up. It's like, no, no, you don't have Eros for those kinds of things. That's just that's not what Eros goes for. Anyway, I don't normally go for those kinds of things. Um, there's an idea. And would we today with enough care and energy body and goodness and ethics and understanding of emptiness and Brahma Viharas all here as our bases and Samatha to find out what happens if I let this image arise a little bit more and find out, trust this more perhaps wild end or strange end or obscure end of the Eros to see, can I trust this for 10, 15 minutes Work with my ways of looking and see even if it looks transgressive, even if it looks like you're really not supposed to fancy one of those, whatever it is, it's not even real or it's not even another creature. It's something, you know, completely off the map. So I personally, I I want to encourage us and some of you may not need encouragement, but most of us do, I think, that I want to share that I really so very, very, it's beyond grateful, I would say. I would say it feels like grace to um, somehow inexplicably being gifted a Logos where there was enough intelligence, and safety, and skill, and reach that I was supported to ing- to um, practice with the wild, weird end of my erotic imagination. Not, I don't have to put it. Just was, but it is was as well. The wild, strange, inconvenient end of my erotic imagination to stay long enough to stay long enough with enough contemplative competency and developing it along the way not sure if I had have enough uh, contemplative competency to stay and let me find out here and finding out and finding out that that which looked like the quintessential, unholy, was not only redeemed, was not only able to be tolerated and loved, was not only interesting, but actually started to open and expand the ideas of what is sacred and what is not. Not asserting now, oh, this image is now sacred. No, it's not gross like that. It's more entering into the soul-making dynamic to make the difference in perception where we're always going to be making something. We're always making some kind of self, some kind of other, some kind of world. What's going to make the difference from making a flatter self, it might even be a good self, other and world, to making soul, and beloved other and sacred cosmos what's going to make the difference and Eros is the cosmogonos the maker of worlds so I'm really I mean I'm saying it now from this that you know I can sense my heart as I say it I, it's a kind of inexplicable gift actually like a privilege to um, be able to to know that possibility and be part of stretching with us stretching what is old in our perceptions of matter of time of death of particulars of the immediate presentation of the otherness that calls our imagination. Okay. So let's. Um, I'll give one example, and then we'll practice a little bit together. So yes, I'll do the example first. I want to go to the um, quieter, quieter end of the eros. Um, and just follow up on that image uh, of grief that I was telling little pieces of along the days. Um, and I told you the part where the image arose that I wasn't particularly drawn to, but it struck me in some way, despite myself, of a some kind of water bird and a long beak touching uh, the water, still water. And even though my mind's like, yeah, I don't do birds or staying. Something called me. And there's a, there's a really beautiful um, taze song, actually, who one of my friends sung to me. And he's not a Christian or it's a, it's, that's a Christian community, I believe. or might be ecumenical, I'm not sure. Um, and I think it's referring to that moment in the Easter story where uh, Jesus is in Gethsemane, and knows what's going to happen. And the disciples are um, waiting. And he asks them to wait. And actually, I think they fall asleep to his disappointment. And more than disappointment. But the, the the prayer is beautiful. And my friend, who's nothing to do with being Christian, it had touched him so much. Because of it's almost like it's archetypal or resonant echo with that story, but more than that story. And the song, um, some of you probably know it. Um, it it. The words are... Stay with me, remain here with me, watch and pray. Stay with me, remain here with me, watch and pray. So as the heron, uh, I told you it's a heron now, as this bird came and touched the water, that My eros was so delicate, my eros for the sacred beyonds. It wasn't obvious. It didn't come with a fiery, sexy, juicy, zesty, effervescent, delightful face. It came came with an eros of this subtle love and faith, actually, in the more beyonds, the call. And it was as if the image was saying, singing that stay with me remain here with me and i I don't remain. as a bird watch and pray and i stay and my eros is the the my eros it's not my eros the eros is the 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 barest delicacy that starts then to shift that image and the sense of self and the sense of other and then the sense of the world I'm inhabiting into, become woven into soul. Okay, so if you'd like, let's sit for a moment and I'll guide us with a couple of steps. if you wish it will be a short exercise maybe 10 minutes or so and knowing if you wish to participate or not but you're invited if you wish to have 10 minutes together with the if there is a wilder end that you would like support with or just want to bring into the room or have more care with the wilder end of your erotic imagination doesn't necessarily have to be sexual it might be um, But something that's like, oh, no, not going to go there. And you might want to respect the not going to go there, that's fine. But you might want to just go, actually, it's time for me. I I can go here. Where there's some kind of magnetic attraction. Some kind of magnetic where the iron filings of your soul kind of line up when they think about that one, that thing and let the image arise whether it's vague or visually clear, doesn't matter it can even be the concept with this bird image for me, which isn't wilder as such, in some ways it is the concept also became image the word So you can also bring the word in, maybe the the name. It might be a human other. It might be something completely other. And see if you can let the otherness be established. Their particulars. Their particular theophany, the particular face of the beyonds that they are. That they present that you're attracted to and don't try and nail it why and see them and establish the 2 see if you can have your vertical your energy body your bum on the seat your spine your neck your skull your width And you might want to take all the time establishing the two-ness. This is huge. Letting the other be other. Neither something to appropriate nor consume nor flatten. Letting them have their autonomy. And you, yours. Vertical. I Can you have your energy body? Can you open your energy body to include the other? Stretching open the awareness, energy body awareness, right through the frame of your body and beyond, in front and behind, so that your body can breathe. Notice if your body parks and turns its engine off. And can you put the ignition key back in and back out of the parking spot? If there's any way the body has gotten frozen or um, sort of a predictability in the posture that loses luster. Practice with the balance of attention. 80% in your location, 20% with the otherness. You can even play if it feels useful for uncoupling your desire from the object of your desire. So it's really faint. 95% with your energy body and your heart, maybe playing with 50-50. And can you, you allow your desire to sustain? Can you allow it to be not just your desire, but desire of the maker of worlds, the desire of the mover, of the generator, of the divine, creative, dynamic, sacred intelligence, sustaining and lingering and making room for your own force of attraction and the particular tone of it, whether it's fiery or dark or excited or very subtle or can you make room in your energy body and just get the information of where it may feel like it can move and where it feel like it doesn't move in you. And breathing and caring for that, caring for that force. what about your skull and if it's a lot of force make more room in the energy body imagine little pressure release valves that can let some of that shoot out or move out as lines of light or image may come considering that this is not just your eros, this might be divine eros, wanting to make new worlds, allow your desire for more contact, for more knowledge, for more touching, doesn't mean you have to literalize that in your action in the image. Feel the force of that desire. I just want to get into you. I just want to look at you. Just let me look at you for an hour. Then I'll be happy. Or I really want to get into you. Or I really want you to get into me. Allow the particular kind of desire. Because I don't know the tenor and the tone of your eros in this moment. Only you and the angels, the subtle angels, the sexy, subtle angels, the dark, mysterious, creative angels. You can be given to know the tenor of this eros. And let the image be here when it switches into craving reification using and calling on the elements of the imagination of the imaginal asking questions letting them be in soul, bring them in is this real or not real or neither or both or does that question not quite nail any of it finding the imaginal middle way the root in emptiness Seeing any logoi that limit any ideas and allow them to have their otherness. Notice any personal psychological ideas of I'm not allowed to or I'm not worthy or see those. Don't limit the story to those. They may come for healing and being seen and let the other see if there's shame. Putting that in a context of loving embrace or erotic embrace. I don't know how this will unfold. Many things are possible.